Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCollum. Thank you very much. It's an exciting day here. We're back live. We uh, took a week off last week. And the reason is, uh, I had a vacation you want to ask me about my vacation? Yeah, let's hear about it. Um, how'd it go? Thanks. That's the uh, dulcet tones of Clarice Connolly. You can find her at heartandsoul.coach. She is a coach, a life coach, I think in your second year of practice here in the greater San Diego area. That's America's finest city, in case you were wondering. It is, absolutely. Um, she's our guest in-studio co-host. You've been here so much that you might actually be a regular. I'm not <laughs> sure. And I'm not sure uh, what's happening with our... Uh, many video setups today, but if you have an opportunity, you should uh, take a look and see how we actually look, because you can now that we have video snippets. Um, Clarice, of course, is uh, beautiful and fabulous, and I, of course, am old. All right, so let's talk about this vacation, ready? Uh, first of all, we should do some shout-outs, don't you think? Yeah, um, absolutely. We, somewhere in here, I have all the things we're supposed to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nothing funnier than your video uh, tech getting under the under the line of of the video uh, cameras. All right. Oh, so much to talk about. Number one. So, the president spoke last night. We might have something to say about that. Uh, we uh, had this this vacation thing, and we need to let you know about our longtime sponsors and partnerships. We're in our fourth year of media partnership with the International Coach Federation. Here's the deal. If you don't know about the International Coach Federation, or even if you think you know, you should go check them out at coachfederation.org. We are proud to be affiliated in partnership with uh, the world's largest organization of professional and trained coaches. Um, The coachfederation.org site, though, is more than just an information portal for people who are not coaches. If you're a coach or if you're thinking about being a coach or if you should have been a coach, you should uh, definitely check out the amazing treasure trove of information they've got there. Not only about coaching, there are tons of articles, but there's also an entire research archive. And the research is phenomenal and will support you, especially if you're looking for some things like we all often look for, like ROI for coaching or where coaching has made a difference in culture change or in individuals or in solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, or major organizations. It's all there, including past PRISM Award winners where they've taken coaching into organizations, including lots of amazing things. And just basic, like, you know, things that you can totally use in your practice, like what is coaching and how is it different than consulting or therapy or um, shamanistic healing or whatever it is that people are comparing it to. (laughs) The um, uh, other thing that you should know about is accomplishment coaching. If you, like me, are looking for the best coach training on the planet, not the least expensive, not the most, not the you know most popular, not the quickest, but the best, check out Accomplishment Coaching at accomplishmentcoaching.com. They go, um, I don't know why you're messing with my computer. It messes me all up. makes me confused. Stop touching things. Um, see, that's why I have to say um, because people interrupt me all the time. Poor me. What were we talking about? Oh, right, Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coach training program. Here, you do this. Um, 
The world's finest coach training program is available at Accomplishment Coaching, and they do something that I think everybody should do, but nobody else does. Ready? What they do is they take you, my friend, and they will invite you to come in and observe the coach's training program in process. That's right. While it's actually going on, you're just quiet on the side like a little like a little observer, like a little fly on the wall, but you get to see all about coach training and, and what professional coach training is. It's an extraordinary opportunity, and they have it in the following cities. Are you listening? San Diego, Seattle, Washington, uh, Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, Illinois, and any minute now in the great uh, nation of Canada which is uh, our northern <laughs> neighbor, up in Victoria, Canada. So uh, check it out. Go to accomplishmentcoaching.com, and we're delighted to have been sponsored by them for 15 years on this here podcast. Okay. Want to talk about things, or you want to have our guest? What do you want to do? Oh, that's such a tough call. Both and? Can we make that both happen? Yeah. I don't know what you're doing here with this. I was trying to pull it up. And well, okay. It's over here. <laughs> over here. I apologize, people. We've got uh, obviously technical difficulties named Clarice, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's talk for a moment about vacation because here's what happened. Ready? And <clears throat> I'm sure Carl Picard, our guest, will have something to say about this. So I'm a parent, right? And my kids are small, still-ish. They're ish small. They're seven and nine. And here's what happens. I get this opportunity to go have a vacation of a lifetime. And you got to know that when I talk about a lifetime, we're talking about first class. I'm talking about Arab Emirates, uh, you know, Emirates Airlines on the double decker in the business class cabin with the Dom Perignon, going to the Seychelles, the little islands off the coast of Madagascar, where I have what they call a hut, which is a thousand square feet on the beach, a standalone room for me, right? With complete it's this amazing resort i'm going to stay there for a week and then i'm going to come back on qatar airlines and spend a night at the ritz carlton in doha qatar right sounds like a great vacation doesn't it and i get to do this once a year because my family the kids and my wife and her family all go skiing and i'm not interested in the snow and the cold obviously i'm a beach guy so i have this opportunity all set up and then i'm getting like the last few days i've taken my shots i've packed everything and i'm I'm in this place where I don't think it's going to be fun. Like, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not excited about it. I'm just like, well, I guess I'll get on the plane. This is not how you should be on that trip, right? So I go and I get some coaching. What? Some coaching. That's right. And what happens? I realize that I've created what a classic lose-lose. On the one hand, if I go, I'm feeling guilty and shamed and sad because I'm a dad and I want to be with my kids. And if I don't go, then I'm dumb because it's a big trip, right? But then I realize, oh, I can use that money and points and miles and stuff Another time. So I canceled the whole thing. You got you to gotta wait for it. Ready? Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. You can, I canceled the whole thing. And it actually isn't that expensive okay. to cancel, which, thank God, thank you all, uh, the airlines and the hotels and everything. And then I call my bride and I say, the love of my life, my, the mother of my children, and I say, hey, I'm going to come and join you guys. And, uh, you know, I've given up my fabulous vacation and instead I'm going to come and join you. And she says, don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She said, you coming to the snow from work and giving up that fabulous vacation, you're going to be grumpy. She said, we don't need grumpy. You go find yourself a beach. We'll be home on Friday. You know, go sit on the beach for a few days and then join us at home. And then you can be with the baseball and the softball games and all the dance routines and all that. You can come back Mm -hmm. to being super dad, but you need some time on the beach. So I went to the beach. 
Lana is such a beautiful wife. That's awesome. Right? I don't know how many people have that in their marriage. She knows that. She knows. Don't be grumpy. All right. So I'm going to learn a lot, I'm sure, because our, our guest is an expert in parenting, among other things. Carl Pickard, PhD, is available. You can find him on the web at Carl, C-A-R-L, Pickhart, P-I-C-K-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And um, he's an expert in the area of coaching parents. Um, he's... Very well-educated with a B.A. from a little place called Harvard, as well as a Master in Education from Harvard Graduate School of Education, a Ph.D. from University of Texas at Austin. I, I can't remember if that's Hook'em Horns or not. Uh, and, of course, a very widely read blog, the Pickhart Adolescence blog. Uh, we welcome back to our microphones the wonderful Dr. Carl Pickhart. Hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for listening to all of that. Uh, <laughs> do you have... The good news is we've taken out some of the commercial breaks, so uh, you won't have to be interrupted. But um, uh, you're a psychologist, and you provide practical strategies in your writings and with people to help parents effectively cope with the developmental change of their adolescence. But I've just given you a story about a parent who's dealing with, like, I don't know, is that parenting guilt or parenting shoulds or something like that? Do you have anything for me, Doc? Well, I mean, in general, it's really hard to do. it doesn't mean we don't set ourselves aside very often to meet the needs of our kids, but our kids do need to be a third-order priority. Because mm-hmm. number one is taking care of ourselves, and number two, the partnership or marriage, and then number three, the kids. If you put the kids first, you ignore yourself, you ignore the partnership, uh, and the family deteriorates pretty quickly. Uh, so you've got to keep, you've got to keep, particularly in adolescence, you've got to keep it a a good, you know, caring, constructive family structure around kids so they have something to rattle around in in responsible ways. Uh, And also what happens is that in most cases, I think parents tend to find children somewhat more rewarding to parents than than parenting adolescents so that they're going to get, you know, (laughs) they're going to get less immediate positive feedback from their adolescent than they like to get from their kid. (laughs) That's very true. That's really great. I'm I'm super clear. Self partner, spouse, and kids. Then kids, right. That's yeah. great. Thanks so much for that. Um, what are you the, if you could wave your magic wand, as, as you have been for years now, and, and talk to parents of adolescents, what's the one big piece that you would give us? What's the thing that you think most parents of adolescents are either doing wrong or could correct in a short term that would make the best, biggest difference? Oh, gosh, a lot of them. Well, one is, I think... Uh, what happens with adolescence is, of course, kids start detaching from childhood and differentiating from childhood, and on both counts, there's going to be more disagreement between parent and adolescent. Uh, So the conduct of that disagreement is really important. Uh, And a lot of times there are parents who, you know, really don't like the disagreement. They don't think it should be there. And, for example, you know, the thing they just hate is this kid arguing with them, and they just want to shut it down because they say it's not needed and it's not appropriate, it's not respectful. Right. And what I try to tell them is that uh, that, that, I think, is really a, a not a good decision because when your kid is arguing with you, you know, they're doing a couple of things that are really important. One is they're speaking up to you, uh, and speaking up to authority is a huge skill that you've got to, you know, your kid has to have when they exit your care. You do not want to graduate a kid from your care who is a shutting-up kid. Uh-huh. How in God's name are they going to make their way in an adult world, uh, number one? Number two is that they are your primary 
informant about their world and what matters to them and what they're concerned with and what they want. And so really the best response to any argument, you know, is, you know, can you tell me more? Can you help me better understand? And if you think that argument is a problem, uh, if you go the other direction, then you've got a real problem. You've got a, you have a shutting up mystery child and you have no data. The arguing child gives you continual data about what they want, what they don't want, and why. And you need that data. Uh, because remember, when, you know, it's, when the kid goes from child to adolescent, not only do they go from the age of command to the age of consent, where the child felt that they could, uh, you know, they had to do what they're told, and now the adolescent knows that, you know, you can't, you know, you can't make me and you can't stop me without my cooperation. And now it's the age of consent, and the kid knows they have, uh, you know, they knows they have self-control. They have no illusion about parental authority anymore. Uh, but number two, you go from the age of confiding to concealment. Mm-hmm where the kid realizes that not only do they have the power of consent, but they've got, they've got this huge power of communication. And they, are, they know they're the prime informant so that how adequately and how accurately they inform their parents is up to them. And that's a huge, it's a huge responsibility, and it's a, you know, and it's a huge shift for parents. How do they, you know, how do they find out what's going on? And one of the ways that they find out is in disagreement, because mm-hmm. the kid is differentiating and experimenting, and there's some disagreement on that, or the kid is detaching and you know, pushing for freedom, and there's some disagreement on that. Uh, and you want to be able to turn those encounters into talking points where you can mm-hmm. communicate, you know, and you can give your kid a full and fair hearing. A lot of times the kid who says, you know, you can't make me, you can't stop me, and is, you know, <clears throat> the parent would just hear the kid out and give them a full, fair hearing. What happens is the kid, having gotten the hearing out, is then more inclined to go along with what they don't necessarily like. Uh, it's the parents who shut down that communication, I think, that tend to get jammed with their kid. Yeah, that's kind of what I was picking up on that. I think my question is, is it almost sounds like, do you think that um, parents need to almost like start listening early and provide that space where a child can actually come and talk to them and they feel that they're being heard and listened to? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. as to like you when they... A, you, know, you can get a, yes. you know, a good habit of, you know, of two-way communication in childhood. Mm-hmm. That's huge if you can carry that forward. But I think what happens is, you know, the kid, I mean, it's partly the kid's fault, partly the parent's fault. The kid... It's you know, always the, the kid's, kid's fault privacy and <laughs> is freedom when they move into adolescence, and the parent, uh, you know, has a harder time, you know, because feeling more frustration, has a harder time, you know, listening to that which they don't approve of or they disagree with, uh, so that it, there is some fault, natural kind of falling off. However, you know, for example, at correction points, if, parent, if the first response of the parent for something, you know, some misbehavior uh, is not to address the misbehavior first, but to essentially express concern. Are you okay? Yeah. And so concern always goes before correction, oh. and then correction must be non-evaluative. By which I mean that there's no there's no criticism, there's no attacking character. You know, the, the, essentially the mantra is I I disagree with the choice you have made. 
this is why, this is what I need to have happen differently, and this is what I would wish you would learn. Mm. But you focus on choices only. The parent who gets angry and attacks, uh, it's not just that they may do injury with their words, which is one part of it, but the other part of it is you get, so the kid comes in for counseling and he says, I'm grounded again. You say, well, how come you're grounded again? He said, oh, my parents were angry again. Kid mm. totally missed the message. Yeah. You know, all he thinks is he's got another, he's got another upset parent on his hand. He doesn't know why. Uh, so that the, uh, you know, the emotional, you know, <clears throat> emotional response of anger in correction generally is not helpful. Got it. So what I'm curious about is you seem very passionate about the topic of coaching, you know, parents around adolescents, also coaching and working with, you know, children. Um, what inspired you to do this work? Oh, well, I've been, I've been writing for years. I don't know. This one, I, I guess I've, uh, years ago, when I first went into private practice, I had two, I had a kind of a fork in the road. At that point, I was writing a, a column on organizational behavior for what was called the Austin Business Journal, and I was writing a column for the Austin paper, the Statesman, uh, on, on parenting the teenager. So I had organizational life management going one place and parenting the teenager and the other one, and I felt that I had to make a choice. And I, what I did was I said, I think this is, I don't know, this, this seems like a, a richer load for me to mine. And so I kind of went that direction. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know, it's just, you know, it's like anything else. Once you get into any area of human behavior, the deeper you get in, the more interesting it gets. Yeah, absolutely. And the more you learn, the less you know. You know, and then if you're, you know, if you're in counseling or you're doing coaching, what you realize is that you are in this hugely privileged position uh, where you are paid for strangers to teach you about life. Uh, and it's, you know, it's amazing. You know, somebody walks in the door and you've never seen them before, you know nothing about them, and all of a sudden, you know, they tell you about yet one more life that's different from any other life you've ever heard of. Uh, and it's hugely educational. Oh, uh, you know, and then you try, or at least, you know, you try to, you know, based upon you know your general knowledge, you try to give them something back to help them figure out whatever is causing them concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I, uh, so I started, I started writing uh, parenting books because uh, when I went, I, when I went into private practice, I lost my job. At a as a consultant at what was called the Education Service Center, working with schools, and I didn't know. I, I, I had a wife and two kids at home, and I was trying to figure out right. what I what I was going to do. And uh, I had some friends in private practice, and I went around and I talked to them, and I thought that might be an option. Well, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we. And one of the guy, one of the guys I talked to, Tom said, "Well, yeah, of course you have to have a specialty." And I said, "Oh, really?" You know, what is it? Is there one so that's you recommend? When, I mean, literally. That's when you created I, the I, niche, yeah. I said, well, I see a lot of parents having issues with teenagers. True. I said, well, sounds good to me. I like the part where you, where you equated the work you were doing in organizations with the work that you were doing with teenagers, because I think that we see that a lot, right? We're pretty much astounded regularly as coaches and, and therapists mm-hmm. and leaders to at how juvenile some of us are acting and how... Uh, seminal, how basic the the responses are, right? So when we get in a conflict, we kind of want to go call our mommy or find somebody who's going to, you know, either make it okay or go punish the the wrong people, right? 
Well, yeah, and you get, of course, you get, once, once you get an organization, you get that, you get all kinds of quasi-parental dynamics, because right. your boss is your parent, and your your peer is your sibling, and your subordinate is your child. Right, and, and once you again, you naturally fall into those roles, or you were treated, you know, in those roles by the other people. Right, and you got the same dynamics of caring, and concealment, and all those things. Um, right, yeah, that's know. right, and also, how do you, you know, how do you get, the, how do you, you know, how do you get, you're subordinate to do what you want. Exactly. Or to do it the way that you want. <laughs> Which yeah. is, yeah. Oh, and how do you correct a subordinate? Now, I, I want to go a little bit of a different direction because as an only child myself, I was uh, interested that you've created something called the Only Child Project. Will you tell us a bit about that? Uh, I don't know that. I've, I've written a couple of books on only children. Uh-huh. I wrote uh, one on the future of your only children, and then before that, I wrote one on keys to parenting your only child. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've done. I've done a project that way, but I and but I've written a lot about it because that's a special only. Ch- only child is a, is a, is somewhat of a special case because it's it's a very very high intensity relationship. It's not a laid back relationship. Right. Uh, because everybody's really invested in doing the best they can for the other person, uh, and so uh, it's not it's not a kind of a casual thing, and the attachment tends to be very strong, and the similarity tends to be fairly strong, so that the problems of detachment and differentiation very often can be those issues can be delayed. A lot of only children delay adolescence until a little later. So rather than enter it around nine to thirteen, they may wait. They may wait even until the high school years before they start doing that process because they find it scary or painful, or they just want to hold on to, you know, what is a really special, good feeling relationship, and you know, and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to just don't want to stress that connection. Yeah. Uh, I also I I would point out from my own experience, which may be. you know, uh, pretty one-sided, that uh, in the only child relationship, not only does it, it, can it create a triangle at the, in the home, but in a only child single parent situation, then you've got uh, this sort of, uh, I, I'm assuming mostly unhealthy, getting your needs met from mm, each okay. other in some odd ways, right? Which can set up, I assume, some things in the future that are, uh, the seeds for unhealthy relationships. Well, if, yeah, I guess if you had a, if, if the child has a kind of a merged supportive relationship with a distressed parent for any period of time, that's likely to, you know, at least at some point to raise its head in adult intimacy later on. And so there probably needs to be some redrawing of boundaries at that point. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, uh, the... the I mean, only the only child relationship is hugely powerful mm-hmm. um, because it's. Uh, uh, I mean, they, what there's a woman at UT who's done some most of the research on only children, and one of the things that uh, in, in, almost always tends to show up in the comparative studies is that only children tend to have very high esteem because they're full of themselves, uh, and they also achieve fairly highly. Uh, because they want to do well for themselves. That's right, people. And so it's very empowering. The, the one that she doesn't mention, which I notice all the time, uh, which is a huge gift of being an only child, is that only children tend to peer with adults. And because of that, their ability to get along and communicate with adults is really enhanced. Uh, so they don't have a problem you know, approaching an adult authority. Uh, and that's a big gift. Yeah, that sounds like it's a really big one. Yeah. Um, 
So I was kind of curious. I saw on your website that you have an adolescence blog with over 4.5 million reads. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's just over five million now. Yeah, wow. I know. I was I was very surprised. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but I think there's a there's a I think there is a real hunger for people parenting adolescents because they know that this is not the same as parenting a child. They know, in some ways, an adolescent is not a child. This is not Kansas anymore. That's what dad. Uh, the dad had a wonderful statement. You know, the wheels have come off the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're floundering for some kind of information, and that's really what I try to do. Is I try to help parents essentially keep up with their adolescent by staying ahead of the growth curve, and so I try to help them anticipate future changes to come, and also the the, the sequence of changes that tend to unfold. Because although adolescence is a confusing process, I think basically it's a lawful one, so that certain conflicts and, uh, and and changes unfold unfold in a relatively orderly way so you know for example when you get to mid-adolescence say 13 to 15 maybe around middle school you know you get kids forming a family of friends and you tend to get uh, <clears throat> you know more uh, self-consciousness from puberty and more peer pressure to conform and fit in and now you get the kid who's really you know, all of a sudden the parent says, well, I don't understand it. You know, I work with my child was so, you know, giving, and now my, you know, my, my, my middle school kid is so self-centered. And that's true. The kid is a hugely intense period of growth with a huge amount to deal with. Uh, so that rather than take the self-centeredness personally, if they can see that as part of the process, You know, then what happens is rather than blaming the kid for a developmental change over which they have no control, they hold the kid accountable for the choices they make as they are going through that change. Beautiful. Uh, And that's that's very important. So the kid comes home and they've had a lousy day at school and nobody would sit with them at lunch and they're kind of angry and hurt and they start taking it out on a younger kid. Right. And the parent says, hey, that's not okay. You know, if, you have, if you've had a bad day, I'm happy to hear what happened to you, and I'm sorry you had a hard day, but you can't use family members as a whipping post just because you're unhappy. Nice. Da- so da- you, try to, you, know, you try to honor the kid's feelings, but you try to also educate them in terms of how to manage those feelings in a safe and healthy way. Well, Dr. Pickhart, as always, it's been great having you. Our time has flown by. The website, again, is Carl Pickhart. That's C-A-R-L-P-I-C-K-H-A-R-D-T um, dot com. Is there something we've got just about uh, 20 seconds left? Is there something you'd like to leave us with today as a parting thought or a parting shot? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I mean, I love, uh, our, our four kids are grown, but I, I love adolescence because it's, it's the privilege that a parent has of seeing a, a girl grow into young womanhood and a boy grow into young manhood and that is a wonderfully exciting transformation and being part of that is terrific it is indeed thank you so much we'll be back with more right after these words hi mary our growth has me looking for new furniture but i can't find the right vendor can you help for sure Do you know a company that will give me a great value? For sure. Do you know a company that provides great selection? For sure. Do you know a company that is professional and responsive? For sure, it's Shore. Shore Office Warehouse has been providing great value, service, and selection for over 40 years. It's Shore. For sure. ShoreOfficeWarehouse.com. 
Hi, this is Rob Barnett, CM founder of VinVillage.com and the Wine and Dine Show on VinVillage Radio. Do you have a wine, event, product, or service to promote? Then contact VinVillage.com to reach thousands of wine lovers across the country. VinVillage connects like-minded wine enthusiasts with unique and exclusive wines, events, products, and services. To learn more, contact us on VinVillage.com. VinVillage is where wine lovers connect. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls Required Reading for Anyone Hoping to Interact Successfully with Any Other Human not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today.